0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show. We're right here on today's News Talk. And yeah, go donate. Also buy some merch. The shop's open, ready for business. I have merch on right now. I have this cool polo, um, uh, but also there's everything all the things, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, jackets, coats, coffee mugs, uh, pet stuff, you name it. There's something for everyone. So go get you some gear uh, and you can help us spread the word about TNT. We appreciate you. Um, Okay. So we have a great show. Um, Unfortunately, we have, uh, well, fortunately and unfortunately, we have Jeremy Kuzma coming on to talk about his new book about Bill Clinton. Uh, We only have him for the first segment though, but then we get to talk to my dear friend, Halo Benson, um, who's been on the show several times. She's another Assange activist um, and she has been doing a lot of great things in Tulsa. So I'm very excited to uh, talk to her about the things. Again, there's probably going to be quite a bit of Assange coming up as we move towards those February court dates. Um, Because we need to. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for it. We need to talk about it as much and as loudly as possible. Um, We really only have one shot at this thing. This is kind of the Hail Mary last chance. If this um, request for appeal is denied, (laughs) he could be extradited. I'm I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous, but he could be extradited really within as soon as the extradition order is signed. So within hours, really, uh, he could be extradited to a country that was recently revealed to be plotting to murder him. It's crazy that that's a sentence that I'm able to say out loud, but that's uh, that's what's happening. Um, okay, so also I wanted to talk to you uh, quickly about, so I had noticed, um, and maybe you have too if you're active on social media. I am far too active on social media. It's a problem. I know. I'm self-aware about it. Um, but if you are on social media, I don't, you may have noticed as well that I have been bombarded with... Zionist propaganda. I mean, it is everywhere. It is. I, every time I log in, my timeline is nothing but uh, that's a little dramatic, <laughs> but it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot, a lot. So I was curious and I asked uh, people on social media, I'm like, hey, is this just me? Is anybody else getting, uh, you know, completely inundated with this stuff? And I have gotten hundreds of responses. I'm not the only one. But what I found to be interesting, my friend Kyle Anzalone, who Friend of the show he's been on many times he's actually on tomorrow again uh, uh to talk about uh, foreign policy stuff um he tweeted at me and said he that he suspects this is why and he sent me an article from Hurretts and it says Hurretts reports quote Israel has responded to its clear loss to Hamas on the digital battlefield by making its first ever purchase of a technological system capable of conducting mass online influence campaigns according to numerous sources with knowledge of the matter. Uh, The system can, among other things, automatically create content tailored to specific audiences. The technology was purchased as part of a wider attempt by Israeli bodies, both civilian and military, to address what sources Uh, termed, quote, Israel's public diplomacy failure, end quote, following the Hamas massacre on October 7th and subsequent war. A few weeks into the war, Israel set up a Hasbara forum comprising government agencies, offices, and ministries, as well as military, defense, and intelligence bodies, including the IDF, the Shin Bet Security Service, and the National Security Council, alongside tech firms, civilian volunteer initiatives, and even Jewish organizations that meets weekly. Officials from different bodies, including the public diplomacy directorate in diaspora uh, affairs ministry charged with countering anti-semitism against world jewelry held talks with different firms and tech providers active in various mass online campaigns assets are one thing an intelligent source explains but you also want a system for managing them quote mass influence systems can often get their operators in trouble and their public exposure can severely damage their clients credibility End quote. Um quote, as a result, Israel decided to purchase an existing technology instead of risk risk developing one independently. A number of civilian tools and programs developed for business and political campaigns were procured. A system for mapping online audiences, a system capable of automatically creating websites, among other things. As well as content tailored to specific audiences, a system for monitoring social media and messaging platforms and others. Thus, Israel hoped to launch campaigns that would advance Israel's core message and improve global perception. So they have <laughs> launched a bot farm, basically. Um this is not surprising. This is not the first time. I mean, we saw this with uh uh the NAFO or the NAFO, whatever, uh the dumb dogs all over Twitter. So stupid. Um, but this is just another one of those. So if you see an uptick in this kind of stuff israel bought some software to bombard you with propaganda so that's where that's coming from certainly i think that that's interesting i think that as we've spoken about many times on this show they have 100 lost the pr war uh this time around there's no question about it and so i think that they are desperate and scrambling um so yeah definitely interesting uh kyle anzalone tweeted that out if you want to go check out it's a much longer article um, that's just the the kind of the meat of it. Um, but if you want to go check that out, he has tweeted that out today. Um, he's at Kyle Anzalone underscore that's A-N-Z-A-L-O-N-E. Um, and he's tweeted out just the little clip that I just uh, read and then also the longer article if you want to go read the whole thing for yourself. Certainly interesting though. Okay. Don't forget you can follow me over on the tweeters at sarcasm stardust. Check out the substack, misty There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day. So you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, shoot me an email, Misty Winston at Tnt Um, guest idea, show idea. I'm always open to that stuff. Um, so if you have somebody you think that uh I would like to talk to, I'm always down to check people out. Um, or if you just have a question or a comment or whatever, hit me up and I will try to get back to you. Um and also. While you are at it, um, if you have a suggestion, a possible guest you would like to hear on TNT Radio just in general, not maybe for me, but just in general, um, or if you have a topic that you feel that we should be discussing, we definitely want to hear from you. There is a suggestion form over on the TNT Radio website, which again is tntradio.live, and you can help us make a difference right here on Today's News Talk.
2: The latest
0: headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: All right. I think we've talked about this once before on the show. Here's an update. Ontario's highest court has denied the request of controversial psychologist and author Jordan Peterson to challenge an order from his profession's governing body that he undergo social media training or potentially lose his license to practice. So here with the story joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. So he's got to be reeducated. Is that what I'm gathering, Adam? Mm
3: hmm. This is either a sign of the times misty and or um a sign of what free speech looks like in canada or both uh but yeah free speech in canada denied it's it's dead <laughs> dead on arrival 2024 uh clearly uh yeah sad to hear this uh but a three uh judge panel uh this 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 decision was released just yesterday january 16th uh but a three judge panel of the ontario court of appeal rejected Dr. Peterson's appeal to quash the decision of the Ontario Divisional Court that upheld the order from the College of Psychologists of Ontario. Basically, yes, he's going to have to go through re-education before they allow him to practice again. The panel did not explain the reasons for its decision. That's probably my favorite part. It simply stated the case had been reviewed and that Dr. Peterson's attempt to file new evidence to the court was rejected denied and we're not even going to tell you why uh dr peterson professor emeritus at the university of toronto in psychology took to social media to weigh in on the decision of the appeals court he's uh he's he's gonna fight uh he said in a jan 16 post on x Uh, congratulating the College of Psychologists of Ontario for winning this round. Quote, there are no other legal avenues open to me now. It's capitulate to the petty bureaucrats and the pated woke mob or lose my professional license. Mark my words, however, the war has barely started. There is nothing you can take from me that I'm unwilling to lose. So watch out, seriously. You've been warned, end quote. Howard wow. Levitt, the lawyer. Yeah, I know. Uh Howard Levitt, the lawyer who represented Dr. Peterson, said he was surprised the court did not make clear to what extent professional regulatory bodies can police members' speech, especially given the amount of media attention the case has received worldwide. He told the National Post, quote, I think it's going to be a license to regulatory bodies to be more aggressive, is there free speech in Canada? Question mark. To what extent are the limits on free speech in Canada to free speech which is not criminal or not tortious, not a violation of any law. To what extent are regulated professionals and regulated trades impacted in terms of what they can say in the public forum? He added, quote, these are important issues and Canada has been castigated broadly for the decision of the divisional court, end quote. Fancy way of saying you just uh, got... You look really embarrassing uh, in the eyes of the world, uh, I would guess. But um, I'm sure we all are aware of the, the story. Um, basically, they were threatening him um, that he's got to go through what they refer to as. Um, what is it? What's the official word here? It's like it's it's some sort of training related to social media. Yeah, it's he's like remedial learn
1: how to... social media training. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, like he yeah. doesn't know how to use social media, so the government's <laughs> going to teach him how, and if they're happy with his progress, they'll they'll give him a gold star and let him practice psychology again. But um, I think he's not going to stand for it. I don't think he's going to take their permission or not, but we'll see how far he takes this battle. Misty, what do you think?
1: This is insane. This is insane. And from what I gather, this is really just because he um speaks against the medicalization of uh uh kids, right? This is uh, basically from his uh being very openly against um uh trans youth being sent down a path of um uh like uh, uh, surgeries and like lifetime of medication, right? Is that what I, is that is that what this is all about? Like, is because it's he a, speaks again?
3: It's a number of those things, but yes, that's one of them in particular. I think he 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 had it had it out with Elliot's Page, who used to be Ellen Page. Yeah. Uh, they also don't like things he said about plus sized model in the past, as well as various <sighs> things he said about the government. So it's all of these things, Misty.
1: Man, this is really frustrating to me. And yeah, you're right. Canada, um, you might as well go ahead and hold a funeral service for free speech in your country. It's dead. It's over. Um, I guess whenever this decision was, um, when they came to it, I don't know if it, if it was just announced yesterday, if they actually came to it yesterday. So we'll just say January 16th, 2024, uh, that is when free speech died in Canada. Um, I mean, it really, it, it died a long time before that. But this is certainly a nail in the coffin. And I'm not a fit. To be fair, I don't know a ton about Jordan Peterson. I have seen some of his stuff. I have seen mostly just clips where he's been in arguments with people and somebody has sent it to me or whatever. I have never watched, like, an, I don't know if he has a show. I've never watched a show of his. Um, I, oh, nope, that's, I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a liar. I did watch, he had Stella Assange on. Um, so I guess he does have a show. I do remember I watched uh, his interview with her. Um, and I thought he did great in that interview. He was fantastic. He asked tough and fair questions of her. Um, I thought it was a great interview interview. So um, I, but to be fair, I don't know a ton about him, but I can't think of anything (laughs) that he could say or that he has said that warrants this kind of ridiculousness, this kind of authoritarianism where he has to be essentially sent through this re-education program. And I realize that that's a very overly dramatic, not overly dramatic, a very dramatic way of saying it, but it is, that is what it is. This, I mean, they are essentially saying it, and it's not just about him. It's about using him as they do with uh, many other people, as they did with Alex Jones and they did with Donald Trump, as they're doing with Julian Assange, as they did with Edward Snowden. They always use those initial people as the uh, warning sign, right? They want to scare other people uh, into complying. And so they want to scare other people who may speak as Jordan Peterson speaks about certain issues um, and scare them into uh, compliance and to not uh, uh, doing those things. So this is terrifying to me. um, And I think that as I mean, I've been trying to scream about for years, this is the logical conclusion (laughs) of where we have been headed for a very long time. They don't want you to be able to speak freely. And further, not only do they not want you to be able to speak freely, they don't want you to be able to think freely. It's not, this is not just about his independent right to speak. It's about your independent right to hear what he has to say. Um, and those attacks go both ways. It's not just about the individual, um, who's speaking. It's also about everybody else's right to be able to hear those thoughts and those ideas. Um, and it's terrifying to me that they're able to take it to this level where he is now being forced into a mandatory (laughs) reeducation, uh, in order to keep his license. It's insane to me, but what do you think, Adam? It's fine, right?
3: I'm so glad you brought all that up because this is not about him. This is not about controlling him. It's about controlling everybody else who could be uh, affected by his dangerous misinformation and disinformation, which goes against the, the government. Uh, who wants to r- rule over the people. Um, so, yeah, no, it's because they can, They no amount of re-education or training or brainwashing, I'm sorry, is going to ever change the way somebody feels or thinks. That's on the individual to do that. And they certainly have the power and the ability to do that themselves, but not from outside influence. But, you know, they can control uh, someone's actions this way and therefore, you know, drip down uh, his dangerous disinformation, as it were. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And that's, yes, that is really what it's about. And you can't, these ideas, even if you try to silence them, it never works. Like silencing thoughts and ideas and words doesn't make those thoughts and ideas and words go away all it does is push them underground and so I would much rather maybe it's just me call me crazy but I would much rather just have open conversations about controversial ideas and be able to hash them out and have nuanced takes and um, you know it just it seems so counterproductive to silence people um, because all you do then is uh, kind of embolden them like further entrench those ideas because then they see it as oh well they don't want me to think this so I should be thinking do you know what I mean it just it makes no sense and I it's 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 just, it's so frustrating to me to witness this playing out. Um, And again, I know I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say it again. It's only going to keep getting worse. This kind of stuff, you're going to see more and more of it. Um, And it's not, I mean, Jordan Peterson's a big name, right? I mean, I know I don't really know who he is, but I mean, I know who he is. Like, I've heard of him. He's a big name. So if they can do it to him, imagine what they can do to you. So yeah, definitely not cool. Definitely not cool. Um, and I hope he continues to fight. We'll see. I don't know what, what kind of options he's got, but I hope he does continue to fight this. So uh, thanks for bringing us this story, Adam. We will talk to you again tomorrow. As always, hang tight. We're going to be right back here on today's News Talk.
2: TNT's Steve Malsberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers, what, what was was the duty of the president to do, and then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted. The example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama, um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean. This opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that uh,
0: that Trump used. Steve Malsberg on today's News Talk TNT.
1: While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better.
0: DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways.
2: Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, More veterans can shape their
0: lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Without CO2, the world stops breathing co2 sustains all life on earth government the wef and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of today's news talk tnt radio
1: all right our guest for this first segment here is jeremy kuzmarov jeremy is a historian journalist and author he serves as managing editor of covert action magazine he has written several books on u.s foreign policy including obama's ending wars the Russians Are Coming Again. I love that title. Uh, and Warmonger, How Clinton's Maligned Foreign foreign Policy Launched the U.S. Trajectory from Bush 2 to Biden, which was actually just published in December. Uh, you can check out Jeremy's website at jeremykuzmarov.com. By the way, his last name is spelled K-U-Z-M-A-R-O-V. Um, and you can find Covert Action uh, on Twitter at Covert Action Mag. Jeremy, thanks for being here.
4: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm sad that we only have uh this really quick first segment here because uh the book is fantastic. It does a great job of really diving into um not just uh you know the way that uh Clinton's foreign policy is influencing foreign policy today, but also a little bit of his history. What made you uh, uh dive into Bill Clinton and, and write this book?
4: Uh, well, about fourteen years ago, uh, I gave a lecture at the University of Arkansas Fayetteville on the War on Drugs, uh, based on an earlier uh, book I published uh, on dr- the Drug War and the Vietnam War. And uh, all the people, these people in the audience were telling me about the MENA cover-up, and although I knew a bit about it, I didn't know that much, and they they lived there and and they really knew a lot about it. So I learned a lot from them and I wanted to do further research. And there were uh, papers at the University of Arkansas Fayetteville that there was an Arkansas committee of graduate students who had investigated this. And this is these clandestine drug smuggling flights and arms smuggling flights to the Contras in the 80s when Clinton was the governor. And he helped oversee this and cover it up. And there's a lot of uh, detail that was uncovered by this Arkansas committee uh, and their files they left at the University of Arkansas Fayetteville. So after viewing those files, that was really, I guess, some juicy material. And it shed a lot of insight in Clinton, and I felt uh, it's something people should be more aware of. And I wanted to also trace you know, how his uh, uh, tenure as the governor of Arkansas shaped his, his disastrous presidency and the kind of disastrous foreign policy that have left us to where we are today. Like his escalation in Ukraine and with the you know expansion of NATO and a belligerent policy toward China, his bombing of Iraq uh, that set the groundwork and, and it's playing up the WMDs in Iraq, setting the groundwork for the Bush administration invasion, uh, his uh, bombing of uh, Serbia and Kosovo and all the lies about that and his packaging of his humanitarian intervention, and that I think set the groundwork for the kind of rhetoric we see policymakers and presidents, especially liberals, trying to package wars as some kind of great humanitarian crusade. Uh, I think it was a very consequential presidency. And yeah, if you go back in his career, you can see the corruption at play from the beginning of his political career.
1: Yeah, no question about it. And uh, just for anybody who's interested in uh, the drug running, gun running, all of that stuff, I'm a true crime nerd, and I'm sure if anybody else out there is as well. uh, There's a case; it's often referred referred to as the Boys on the Track. Um, Go check that out. That is some nefarious stuff right there. Super interesting. Bill Clinton has his hands all over that stuff, but it's it's just a really interesting story. Um, So, and I've always found Bill Clinton to be kind of an enigma. Um, He's fascinating to me in like a weird, gross way. Like he's very he's a very good politician. He's very Very good at presenting himself in a certain way while doing other things behind the scenes. I think that he was really um, adept at kind of, um, first of all, selling out the Democratic Party to uh, the corporations into the war machine, but then also get he really dismantled entirely the leftist anti-war movement. Would you say that that's accurate?
4: Yes, it is. Uh, and yeah, the, the boys on the tracks, so I do go into that case uh, yeah. in the book. Uh, and yeah, the mother of one of the boys said, you know, although Bill Clinton didn't pull the trigger, he had all his hands over the death of my son. So yeah, right on point at uh, your point with regard to that. And yeah, as regards to Clinton, yeah, I mean, he had the nickname, you know, Slick Willie. And I mean, he was slick and, you know, he was very good. They knew right away, you know, in the early 70s when he was just starting his career, he could go to like the you know fairs in these local towns and he could relate to the locals and he could yeah. make them believe that he was on their side and he was going to help them. Uh, and but at the same time, he was always courting the elite in Arkansas. And at the end of the day, he would sell out the common people. Uh, and that was from the beginning of his career. But yeah, he was very slick and you know very gregarious personality. Uh, and I guess we haven't really seen that in the last few. You know, I mean, I think you know Joe Biden is no, is you know doesn't really endear himself to people. Uh, neither does Obama. <laughs> uh, and Trump puts people off. Uh, so I mean, Clinton, you know was a good politician, and I think they spotted his talent early on. And, you know, I go into the book how the the so-called deep state, you know, the CIA appears to have recruited him uh, when he was a student at Oxford, and he was a roommate of Strobe Talbot, and they went on a mission uh, into Moscow uh, to smuggle the memoir of Nikita Khrushchev, who had denounced Stalin. Uh, I think they spotted his talent. There were some powerful people who thought they could use him to good effect, and I think they were right. I mean, he he covered up for those interests in the MENA affair and the Iran Contra, and he did it throughout his presidency. He ramped up the warfare state. At a time, many were saying, "Look, the you know he came to to office when the Cold War just ended." And you had figures like Robert McNamara, a hawk hawk on Vietnam, saying now's the time. He actually testified before Congress that now's the time for a new peace dividend. The Cold War is over. We can invest in our schools and our health care and and our communities. But Clinton, yeah, he hoodwinked the people uh, who had been in the anti-war movement and had been liberals to make him believe he was one of them you know, because he played the saxophone on Arsenio Hall, and he claimed to have inhaled, you know, smoked marijuana, but didn't inhale, and he kind of packaged himself as this baby boomer, you know, hippie. But really, he was always uh, tied with the bankers and the CIA, and and he, you know, promoted this kind of flowery rhetoric that got these people to actually support wars like Bosnia, some kind of humanitarian uh, endeavor, when really it was nothing of the sort. And I go in depth about how much that was a dirty war uh, he fought. And he, and he was covering for, for covert operations there. They were smuggling arms clandestinely to the Croats, who committed the worst acts of ethnic cleansing in the war. Uh, but this was somehow packaged as yeah, this great humanitarian uh, endeavor.
1: Yeah, and I think that um, uh, what's super interesting about the, the way that he took the end of the Cold War— and you mentioned this in the book, he kind of, I don't know if he invented this uh, this kind of rhetoric, but he convinced people that uh, um, that war was like this humanitarian, we have to go for humanitarian intervention, right? Um, and so he was able to convince, as you just mentioned, these kind of baby boomer hippies that it's not war, we're going to help people. And he's really kind of uh, one of the first people, and certainly uh, the first liberal, uh, you know, Democrat, who's this supposed to be the anti-war party. Um, he th- I mean, he really was a massive master at disguising his imperialism with humanitarianism, right? I think that's so fascinating.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. And this was a party of, although, you know, Democrats had waged the war in Vietnam, you know, Kennedy and Johnson, but the Democratic Party also produced people like George McGovern, who was one of the strongest liberals and uh, a pacifist, who was a Democratic uh, you know, party nominee in 1972 and people like Frank Church, who was a crusader against the CIA. Uh, And so, yeah, Clinton kind of shifted the party into what it is today, the party of the neoconservatives and the Warhawks. And, yeah, he packaged it, as you say, brilliantly, uh, (laughs) as, you know, we're going to stop genocide. You know, that was the code word, stop genocide. The Serbs were accused in that conflict. The Serbs were accused of committing genocide. Uh, but, you know, left out with that, the Croat, well, I mean, the Serbs had actually been trying to keep the Yugoslav Federation together and many of the worst atrocities in that conflict were committed by the Muslims and, and the Croats and the Muslim actually, the, the CIA helped bring in Islamic jihadists to fight against the Serbs. And some of them were Al Qaeda elements, but of course that wasn't publicized before the, you know, the public. And, you know, there's other conflicts I go into, like in Rwanda, you know, they played up the the Rwandan genocide and they were going to, you know, although, you know, he claimed we didn't do enough to stop it. But actually, my research found the U.S. was supporting the the most murderous acts in Rwanda's civil war and then supported the Rwandan government as they invaded the Congo and plundered it and killed uh, thousands of civilians. So, you know, this rhetoric of humanitarian intervention is shown to be a total fraud, and and the U.S. is on the side and arming some of the worst human rights abusers in the world uh, and dictators. And, I mean, Clinton, you know, ramped up U.S. support for Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. and the Middle East, and he he pioneered the rendition program where they would kidnap terror suspects and send them to countries like Egypt, where they was known they would be tortured, uh, which is a you know, clear violation of human rights and international law. And he set the motion for that policy that continued under Bush and Obama, a you know, disgraceful policy. So it's just a yeah. Yeah, a hoodwinking of the public.
1: Okay. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break and get some headlines, and then uh, I think we're going to come right back to you. So hang tight. We're going to be right back here on today's News Talk. <laughs> hey, we're getting back to the news.
0: TNT Radio News. What the f-
2: For TNT, this is James O'Neill. On Tuesday, the United States military conducted a third round of strikes targeting Iran supported Houthi forces in Yemen, successfully neutralizing four ballistic missiles. NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg said on Tuesday that Russia is advancing on many parts of the front in Ukraine, while Kiev's summer offensive did not deliver the desired results. President Vladimir Putin recently welcomed North Korean Foreign Minister Chae Son-hui at the Kremlin.
0: Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time, right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio.
1: All right, we're here joined by Jeremy Kuzmurov, who is the managing editor of Covert Action Magazine. He also wrote the new book uh, on Bill Clinton. It's called Warmonger, How Clinton's Maligned Foreign Policy Launched the U.S. Tra- trajectory from Bush two to Biden, uh, again, which is published in December. And uh, I think that what's so great and so timely about this book is that. Um, and really the whole purpose behind it is examining the way that Biden's foreign policy is directly influencing the way that things are being conducted today. And I think you mentioned it uh, just in passing earlier, but I think really one of the biggest uh, examples of that has to be Russia-Ukraine. And I think that in the a lot of conversations surrounding the current conflict, I think people will go back to the 2014 Maidan coup, um, but really this goes back long before that to really the Clinton administration. So talk a little bit about that.
4: Absolutely, yeah. Well, first is what Clinton did within Russia. I mean, yeah, here is a historic opportunity to reestablish, you know, diplomatic relation, good relation between the two countries, as had been the case under the Roosevelt administration in World War II. But Clinton, firstly, he he unleashed the Harvard boys and, and supported these uh, rapid privatization and shock therapy programs. Uh, where, you know, the transition from a state-controlled economy under communism uh, to uh, a free market system, but it was done without proper controls or, or, or monitoring or regulation of the whole process. So they just rapidly sold off uh, state, you know, state-owned state industry in these auctions. And, you know, Boris Yeltsin was the leader And they're basically given to cronies of Yeltsin at pennies to the dollar, and it created a huge economic crisis in Russia. So, uh, and, you know, uh, worse really than the American Great Depression. So, right there, that soured uh, Russians toward the United States and toward American style capitalism. And then Clinton expanded NATO. You know, George uh, H.W. Bush and his administration had made a promise that NATO would not expand one inch eastward. And, you know, NATO was viewed as an aggressive and hostile military alliance toward Russia, but Clinton reneged on that promise and expanded NATO into three different countries in Eastern Europe. Uh, So that triggered the onset of a new Cold War that has escalated to the point we are at today where there's a real threat of nuclear war uh, breaking out. And Clinton's administration uh, initiated that strategy of trying to pry Ukraine away from Russia uh, and basically turn the Ukrainian people against the Russians and this is culminating in this disastrous war in Ukraine that has taken an entire generation of, of Ukrainian youth. Uh, so, you know, Clinton really set those uh, policies in motion, uh, and it was a disaster. You know, And they figured, like George Kennan at the time, were warning not to expand NATO and to really try and cultivate good relations. You know, and Kennan was the father of the original Cold War, and the, the father of the containment strategy, and he understood it was not wise to embark on a new Cold War, that, It was important to reestablish good diplomatic relations so we didn't go back into that era of the past that had caused so many uh, conflicts around the world like Vietnam and and so many bad things came as a result of the Cold War, including the out-of-control arms race, which Cannon was worried about. Uh, But unfortunately, Clinton didn't follow his advice, uh, and we are where we are today in a, a terrible position.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, it is a terrible position, and you're absolutely right, and I think that it's, I mean interesting and and infuriating as well. Uh, obviously, Hillary Clinton had a very heavy hand um, in Ukrainian policy moving forward as Secretary of State um, and just as, you know, somebody who has a, a fairly significant amount of influence in American politics in general. So, I mean, this really does seem to be a family affair. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's so often left out of the conversation regarding what's happening in Ukraine. Again, most people will go back to 2014, and rightfully so. I think that that really was kind of a linchpin moment um, that, uh, you know, propelled the current situation. Um, uh, really uh, full steam ahead. I think that that was certainly one of those um, uh, those kind of forks in the road. And I think that uh, for sure that people need to have that conversation. But the the influence that Bill Clinton has had on the policy uh, towards, Russian, uh, towards Russia, I think, is um, something that doesn't. And again, you can't talk about that without the expansion of NATO. I think that that's also, um, you know, something he had a heavy hand in. And you're right. I mean, we there was, uh, following the Cold War, there was this great opportunity, as you mentioned, where we could. Um, You know, pull back on our military spending where we can invest in the United States where we can invest in our, you know, our education system and our infrastructure and all of those things. And then here came Bill Clinton to uh, put a full stop to that and to make sure that we were continuing uh, the military industrial complex uh, agenda. Um, And you're right, we have now, uh, we're now seeing a situation where an entire generation of Ukrainian men has now been sacrificed on the altar of Western imperialism. And for what? Um, there's been no, uh, no victory there. There's been no, um, I mean, it has been an abject failure. I think everybody is seeing that now. And I think that we're even starting to see that the mainstream media is starting to back off of uh the establishment narrative they're starting to very quietly back away uh even the united states the biden administration they're starting to very quietly back away from their support of ukraine um and it's just it really disgusts me that we have used ukraine as cannon fodder in this ridiculous proxy war uh against russia that has really granted us nothing so okay listen jeremy uh, unfortunately we are out of time we're gonna have to uh, go to break here so uh, tell everybody where they can find you where they can get the book where they can find covert action all that stuff
4: Okay, well, yeah, the book is published with Clarity Press, so uh, you can go on that website. Uh, you can also you know, find it on Amazon or my website, jeremykuzmarov.com, and check out yeah, www.covertactionmagazine.com, and please subscribe and help us out so we can carry critical journalism and better inform the public about what's really going on.
1: Yeah, Covert Action does great stuff. I highly recommend everybody go check that out. Um, and just a uh, uh, quick reminder, you uh, spelt Jeremy's last name, uh, K-U-Z-M-A-R-O-V. Uh, so it's jeremykuzmarov.com if you want to go check out the book and his other work. So, Jeremy, thanks so much for taking the time to come on. Uh, appreciate you very much. And hang tight. We're going to be right back right here on today's News Talk.
2: Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. You most likely know Kevin O'Leary best from Shark Tank. And recently, he addressed the question of whether or not the state of New York and its attorney general was justified in going after Trump in his civil fraud trial. Forget about Trump. Every single real estate developer everywhere on Earth does this. They always talk about their asset being worth a lot. And the bank says no. And that's just the way it is. So in this case, when I'm trying to figure out and I'm not pro or con or I don't care about the politics, who lost money? Nobody. The bank got paid back the construction finance loan and a new building was built. And O'Leary made it perfectly clear that he believes Trump has been targeted in this case. If if you're going to sue this case and win, you've got to sue every real estate developer everywhere. This is all they do. This is what they do all day long, every day. So I don't think this thing will ever survive appeal, regardless of what the fine is. This doesn't even make sense. Oh, if I were a betting man, I'd put my money on O'Leary's prediction. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT.
5: The Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now.
0: The Kids Cancer Project. You're with Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT
1: all right we are here with my pal halo benson she is jumping on to join me and hang out uh for those of you that don't know halo's been on several times before she is an amazing assange activist she's been on the ground for far longer than she should have had to be. This has been going on for a very long time, Uh, but she uh, does a lot of great work in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if you're in that area, Halo is your girl. They do uh, regular actions, they do street actions. Uh, She does uh, different letter writing campaigns, phone call campaigns, you name it, Halo does it. Uh, So Halo, thanks so much for jumping in, my friend. I appreciate you.
5: No doubt, no doubt. I was listening in on your interview with Jeremy. He is the most knowledgeable person He's a very professor- Life. Yeah, <laughs> Well,
1: he is he a is. professor. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, and I could have talked to him, honestly, about his book for uh, two hours. He It's a it's a great book, um, and I've always found Bill Clinton to be super interesting in a creepy way, so uh, it's definitely uh, right up my alley, and he did a great job of really diving into, and I learned so much. There was a lot of things that I wasn't aware of, so um, I definitely recommend everybody go check out that book, um, and hopefully we'll be able to get him back on. Um, we can dive into it a little bit deeper. Um, okay, so let's talk about Assange. Obviously, um, uh, we We've been talking about it a lot here on the show we have two new court dates coming up in february the 20th and the 21st in london if you are in london if you're anywhere near london if you can get to london uh please do we need as many people in the streets outside that court um as humanly possible we we need as much noise as humanly possible so um but moving up into that date halo um i have had multiple people ask me well what can i do like what am i supposed to do like they don't care what we think um and i understand that kind of mentality but there are plenty of things that you can do um so what is when people ask you i know you get that question a lot too what what are some things that you tell them
5: well right now we are actually working on a campaign. for this House Resolution 934. Um, It's a, a resolution in the House to protect the First Amendment or the basic journalistic activities. And so right now we're trying to petition basically all of, you know, any, call your congressman, call your local representative, write a letter to your local representative, tell them that you want them to sign resolution 934 um i'm actually working on putting together what i do best is sending them sending people activism in a box so that you can get everything you need for the resolution 934 campaign to assist people so they can have an, an email that they can customize for their congressman and send that and postcards and letters that are customized to you know to their specific location that's the big press that we can do in this in between time between now and day x um that's been the main focus um in the u.s anyway is to just try to get these people to sign the letter they one of the problems is that you know senators get a lot of attention representatives don't get as much attention and if they can scan through and never have to say Julian's name, never have to answer the question about whether they support him or not, the, they'd prefer to be silent. And so we just have to press them and make it where silence is unacceptable, publicly challenge them to yes or no, sign it or don't sign it, but let's not pretend it's a non-issue. Let's not pretend you don't know what is at stake here. And yeah. so that's basically breaking that silence is, is the important thing to try to push for right now.
1: For sure. And I think that, um, listen, a tremendous amount of movement has been made in that direction. If you would have told me even like a year ago, that we would have um, uh, current sitting members of Congress saying Julian Assange's name out loud, I would have never thought. Um, It took ages to get to this point. There was complete dead silence in government for a very long time. And I think that a significant mover of that needle has been the recent uh, visit from the members of the Australian Parliament contingent. That was massive. I think having, um, you know, their contemporaries come to the United States and sit down with them in meetings and have that conversation and impress upon them the importance of what this case means. I think that that was a huge, um, a huge mover of the needle. So um, uh, yeah, that's, that's been fantastic. But I think that that's what's so frustrating for me is that um, uh, I think people feel, what's the word I want to use? They feel, I guess, useless, not useless, but like they can't make a difference. Like there's no way they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: You (laughs) you do get to feel in that way that my hundred percent. It's the literally the best I can do. And this isn't good enough. It isn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I constantly have people tell me, and I, I was just having a discussion about this with Kendra from Denver um, Assange group that people are, you know, you say you're having an action and people are like, well, how many people are coming? Well, it depends. Can I count you or not? You know, yeah. every person thinks that their little bit ain't making a difference. But if, if all six people that were like, you know, wary about coming to an action because there's not going to be enough people there. If they showed up, that would have tipped the scale and there's enough people there. You know, it's people I've been over eight years now having people tell me, well, what do you think you're going to do? What's one person going to do? And like, well, hopefully not be on my own. We've done this. We've gotten this far. And the DC six coming from Australia made a huge impact. But then there are small things like Gabriel ran into um McGovern on the train and that's how that dialogue started do you know what I mean there are little tiny synchronicities little things that happen and they're not going to happen to you if you're not putting forth that best effort if you're not at least making an attempt at you know I I feel um when I call Frank Lucas's office the woman that answers the secretary there she does this (sighs) Yes. Thank you. Mrs. Benson. <laughs> like I feel, I don't, I know she don't want to hear from me. I know I'm the pain in the butt lady, but you know what? I, and I always ask her, well, has he said anything? Well, I'll I'll log you down that you called again. And I, and I don't get an answer, but at some point, maybe I will get an answer or maybe right. if 10 more people call or 20 more people call or a hundred more people call. We've gotten this far. By, by pushing this way, it's all been grassroots here in the US. It's, it's yes. all been one person, two people, four people. And we've. this is the second thing we've had. You know, we had Rashida Talib's letter and now we have this resolution. Like we are making progress. We are getting somewhere. It's just, you know, when people ask, what can I do? Literally everything you can, At, yep. you know, pull out all the stops, anything you can think of, then do that you know well
1: and it's I think that people also feel a bit overwhelmed they feel like um, there are so many things that you can and should do that's what I always just t- like just start with something pick up the phone and make one phone call just start there just yep. make one phone call and then the next day make two phone calls and send an email or whatever and just for people who don't know uh, what Halo just mentioned there briefly about Gabriel Shipton first of all Gabriel Shipton is Julian Assange's brother um, he was here in DC and he was on the train and he happened to run into Representative McGovern um, and he he confronted him not confronted i don't he approached him um, and uh, entered into a conversation and a dialogue with him about what's happening to Julian Assange and in that conversation uh convinced him to act and now McGovern is one of the co-sponsors on the legislation he's one of the signers of the letter um so i mean that's it's just it's just taking those opportunities whenever they present themselves and doing whatever you can i mean listen i'm a mom and i have a job and i have a husband and a house and all of that stuff you don't have to devote your entire existence to it. But everybody can do something. And it's just a matter of finding whatever it is that you can do and doing it. I mean, it really is that simple. Just if you just make one phone call a day, that's massive. Like that's a huge benefit because if 500 people make one phone call a day. That's amazing. That's a whole lot of pressure that we're now starting to put on. Uh, And the momentum is definitely shifted. Wouldn't you agree? Like we are really starting to see a dramatic shift in uh, the public perception of this case, at least.
5: Oh, definitely i used to have to explain to people what wikileaks was and who julian assange was (laughs) now they know and they're you know i i'm fortunate enough to be in a in oklahoma where people actually take their amendments seriously so everybody i mean it's definitely positive engagements whenever you're out but i did want to say about the phone calls um on twitter you know we're posting um you know the the main uh line into congress where you can say who your representatives and and they'll connect you but you can also just go online call the local phone number for Mm -hmm. your representative and if you have somebody who has three offices in your state call each office and when you call and this is just for anything that you're calling about hopefully you're calling to get them to sign the letter and and free julian and all of that but any time that you want to engage with your government like you you pick up the phone and you call and that person on the other line, they're there to help you. You can, I've had kids, you know, where I'm encouraging them to call and, and they call and they're like, I've never done this before. And then people are like, well, that's okay. What what would you like to talk to the congressman about? Or what kind of message? You, they will walk you through it. Like if you call the main number or you call the DC numbers, you're very likely going to get a machine. I almost always get a machine. Yes. Go ahead, leave a message. But if you call the local offices, you're much more likely to get a person. And it's not even remotely as scary as it sounds. Do you know what i mean like they'll walk you through it and it's it's such an easy process and it's something that we should kind of already know how to do as citizens anyway and you know regardless of what our issue is don't be afraid to hold your government accountable we pay their salaries they're all living better than us the least they could do is listen to our requests and concerns about where our government you know what our government is doing
1: Yeah, that's what they're supposed to be doing. I don't think they do that, but that is what they're supposed to be doing. And again, as I say all the time, I don't think that like a single phone call is going to move the needle or make a difference or free Julian Assange. But it, again if if a thousand people make a phone call a day that's massive and I think that that accumulates and I think also it's so easy honestly I realize that if you've never made a phone call like that before it might be a little intimidating I hate talking on the phone it's like my least favorite thing in the whole wide world I despise it it's so I'm so awkward on the phone um uh, but it's so simple I mean any when you do get an actual human being um all you do is just state your name where you're from what your issue is why it's important to you and then you're okay bye done it, it takes a couple minutes to two, three minutes, maybe at max, depending on, you know, the staff member that you get and how I've had a couple who have been very nice and very friendly and a little chatty. And, um, you know, those have been a, a little bit longer phone calls, but they don't take that long. And so it really is, uh, uh, just a really simple thing that I think everybody can do. And Paula, our dear friend, Paula, um, has, uh, compiled a list and she's actually working on a thread too, um, where she's going to, I think she's working on that today where she's going to, to individually list the members of the progressive caucus, because we feel like that's a good place to start um, in starting to put pressure on. But she has a tweet out where she's got um, a flyer up that she's made where the different members of the progressive caucus are listed with their uh, phone numbers, their addresses, all of that stuff. So um, there's resources, like a lot of people have already done the legwork. You just have to, you know, make the phone call or whatever. And um, we really are in crunch time, right, Halo? I mean, this is, this really is it. <laughs> this is it, it doesn't, it doesn't
5: here. get any crunchier. And when you yeah. and you <laughs> do make the phone call, take the representative online. Like yeah. when you make the phone call, get on Twitter and and say, I just called, you know, representative so, you know, their Twitter handle's number to ask him to sign the resolution 934. That's one more thing. It takes a minute, yeah. an added thing that makes that phone call you know do double duty you know a multiplier yes. effect
1: yeah well and that's that public pressure i think is also really useful i think that that um uh you know publicly tweeting at them on social media i think calls attention to them um in either a good or a bad way i think that and that's why i've had a ton of people Get mad at me for crediting people like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for uh, co-sponsoring the legislation or signing on to these letters. And that is just so unbelievably absurd. Of course I'm going to thank them for doing that. I don't care if I dislike them immensely or that I disagree with them on a whole host of issues. If they do the right thing on the issue that you care about, give them credit for doing it. That will encourage other people to also... Come on board. It, you have yeah. to give well, credit the truth where it's is due. the truth
5: no matter yes. who tells it. So yes. there you go. Yeah.
1: That's very and frustrating We can to we can me. use
5: uh, you know I think that it's one of the big things that this resolution is already showing is that this is not a partisan issue whatsoever. This is this one thing where we don't have to worry about different teams or red blue or anything like that. This is Yeah. everybody from all all political ideologies understand the threat to our first amendment they understand yes. the danger that julian's case represents so to to play identity politics where our first amendment con- is concerned is <laughs> so it doesn't stupid. make any sense. it make it's, it make sense yeah. I.
1: it doesn't yeah. make any sense and you're right listen I do not care who you vote for. I don't care what ism you subscribe to. I don't care what books you read. I don't care what party you belong to. I don't care if you're a communist or a libertarian or a liberal or a conservative or I don't care. I do not care. If you're interested in working to free Julian Assange and therefore uh, aid and protection uh, the protection of the future of free press and press freedom uh, and free speech, then welcome aboard. We don't yep. have to agree. It's not like we're going to be besties. We don't have to go out to dinner. Our friends don't need to do play. Our, our kids don't need to do play dates. We don't have to go on vacation exactly. together. We just have to fight for this thing that directly impacts literally every single human being on planet Earth. I mean, it, that sounds dramatic, but that's the reality of it, right, Haley? I think this there's no way. Like people,
5: people have said, "Well, you're exaggerating." I don't think it's possible <laughs> to exaggerate. This. No, I, I genuinely don't. I can't. I could get hysterical and it would still seem well-founded like there is nothing important how are we ever going to know about anything else that's happening if we do not have a free press it's it's absurd to think that you somebody could over exaggerate it there's a whole lot going on in the world Mm -hmm. and our ability to know about it hinges on julian assange
1: this case yeah and i even said that uh I think it was during the home run tour uh, when John and Gabriel were here in the United States. Um, I gave a speech at the Columbus event and I said that I said, I get accused of being overly dramatic about this case, but I'm sorry. I don't think it's possible to be overly dramatic. I don't think I'm dramatic enough. Um, This really is the future of uh, this is they're trying to criminalize truth. That's what's happening. Uh, WikiLeaks has a 100 percent record of accuracy. They have never published anything that they've had to retract. Um, And it is just the truth in black and white. They don't publish opinion pieces. It's not, you know, some blog or some, you know, some Sunday morning show. They're not trying to spin it.
5: It's just no information. A
1: hundred percent verifiable, authenticated source documentation. It's just the truth in black and white here it is do with it what you will that is what they provide for us it makes journalism as much of a science as humanly possible and i mean real science i don't mean fauci science i mean real science um it makes it very clinical and it is a a, a massive service to humanity that they provide over there so um halo unfortunately we're out of time tell people where they can find you and where they can find what's going on in tulsa
5: um i'm at halo benson on twitter on the 21st, this Sunday, I will be with Jeremy Kuzmaroff at the Tulsa Central Library. He's doing a signing and lecture for his new book, Warmonger. Um, from one thirty to 3.30, well, that's where I'll be, Sunday.
1: Oh. Excellent. And if you uh, want to know anything that they have going on in Tulsa, just follow Halo on Twitter. She tweets about all the actions they do. Again, that's at Halo Benson. And please go uh, and get Jeremy Kuzmarov's book. It is fantastic. Halo, thanks for jumping in last minute. I appreciate you, my friend. Uh, keep up the good work. I love you so much. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with Kyle Anslone As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shay's right after this right here on today's News Talk.